Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, we've been talking about eternal life, doing a study in 1 John, and uh, I'm it's just, it's got to continue and unfold. Uh, some, some of you know this really well because you've been with me a long time and some don't, but I, I tend to teach inductively. So that means one thing builds on another. So in connecting this study, please do your own studies in First John, but take what's being shared and then connect it to the next thing. Dig at it and find it. Become a good sleuth. Uh, it's interesting. The Proverbs says this. It's a uh, it's the glory of God to hide a matter. He, he, lo- he likes to play hide-and-seek games. And it's the glory of a king to search a matter out. God loves that in us. He loves um, intrigue. He loves the mystery of who he is. Uh, Paul writes about it in Ephesians. It's usually not talked about that much but he even talks about later in, in uh, one of the other letters he talks about the mystery of godliness there is a mystery that works in us not a mystery like a who done it sort of but a mystery this unfolding mystery of god explaining now think about this because it's in such humility when you when you look at these terms, the vastness of God, you know, that song we just sang, that last song, the vastness of what he can do, and he humbles himself and says, come here, I'll let you know something about it. One little thing. And uh, a person becoming born again, that one little thing becomes an incorruptible seed that gets planted in us and then explodes. Kind of a... A uh, little framed photo that was given to me as a as a gift by someone of the sower. Have you ever seen that old? It's an old. I can't remember the the artist that did it. Now I have a tickle right under my nose. Excuse me. Uh, it's probably your mustache, Lloyd. Well, of course it is. Um, but it's the sower who's sowing seed. Have you seen that? It's an it's an old classic painting. Brenda, do you know who the artist? Huh? Corot. So Corot did that. And anyway, I, I think of that often, that, that, that incorruptible seed who is Christ that was sown into our hearts, that seed bears fruit. It comes into our life and it's incorruptible. It's eternal. It doesn't go away. So that is the very seed that came into you to make you an eternal being. So we've been looking at this whole issue of eternal life and what that means because John said this is the message he didn't say our message or he said this is the message eternal life in God that's in the first chapter of first John I want to just briefly mention this because then he goes into now remember he speaks in circles he lays one circle of understanding on top of another. He's not doing a didactic separation or teaching. He's not doing an exegesis. He's lay, layering ideas of who God is into the lives of believers so that they don't fall into air and so that they understand what happened inside of them. So this is this older guy just laying these out 
over and over and over again. It's almost, uh, it's almost like snow falling. And when it just keeps falling, and there's that first inch, and then another inch comes, and another inch comes, and another inch comes, until it's a blanket that lays over top of everything. So I love the way he does, does that. For most of us in our Christian experience, we tend to try and live our lives here really trying to have a better life. Jesus comes into our lives and we want to respond to him. Uh, a happy life, if you will, and, and experience God's blessings. And we try to be a part of it and bring his will into play because we, either by the ways that we've been taught or by the our own desires in our hearts, we want good things to happen. Jesus, we know the model prayer said, your kingdom come your will be done on earth. And so that, that's a, I don't know of any believers who don't believe that. And they long for it, and they long to see God's will and never recognize it in the mirror. They never look in the mirror and see God's will. I didn't for years. Matter of fact, I was like that old Snickers commercial, you know? where the guy's standing in line to get into heaven and the, there's an angel or somebody up there, St. Peter or somebody's at the desk writing who gets in and who gets out and he looks at this guy in line and goes, oh, you're a piece of work. <laughs> That's what I did when I would look in a mirror. Always seeing the lack, never seeing that eternal seed that was placed in me, that was at work in my life. Now, did I do it daily? No, but I did it miserably. It was very hard to see myself as accepted in the beloved. Right there, accepted. You're okay. And that, that was a very difficult experience. Um, my experience, I want to share a little bit about it regarding what we're going to look at this morning. My own experience in teaching that I received had to do uh, with preaching the gospel as I understood it at the time, to live my life in such a way that I was validating what God's salvation looked like to other people. Whether it was my wife, my children, uh, the people I interacted with, the people I worked with, uh, the people that I had a burden for. Uh, and I was always validating I, I wanted to, to be, to live my life in such a way that someone would see it and want Jesus. Were you, is that your life experience? It was for me, some of your head, nodding heads, yes. Um, the other thing I was trying to do is to not sin. Because that unvalidated everything about me. Um, to not sin and make sure I was doing right things. Um, I often prayed a carte blanche prayer when I went to sleep at night. Oh God, please forgive me for anything I did today that wasn't right. And please forgive me for the things I didn't do that I know I should have. So I was getting both omission and commission out of the way. And let me arise and awake in your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I never got very specific about it. Sometimes I had to because it was an argument with Brenda and so I didn't want to go to sleep angry. And uh, so we stayed up late a lot. Uh, 
Yeah, me more than her. Did you go to sleep? I'm still talking. You were really wrong about that. I think that's probably a, a life experience for all of us. Uh, that that was, and it was a mode of teaching that, that we culturally accepted as being right and true because it came from all of our teachers. Um, I also wanted to make sure I was doing things right so that I would hasten the return of the Lord and so that the ungodly could be held accountable, that they get their just rewards, right? We want them to get it because they're bad, right? Now, come on, and we can be honest. I want to, I'm, there's still some people I'd like to see get it. Good thing I'm not God. You'll look at them with my fiery indignation. You who proclaim. The wicked be judged. I wanted the wicked to be judged, the righteous to be embraced so that eternity would begin. Not understanding that eternity began in me when that seed that was sown planted itself inside of this body and started bearing fruit. I was instructed many times, I don't know if you were, um, that if I was a believer, that if I wasn't bearing any fruit, that God was going to break me off and cast me away. And that it was my job to bear fruit. Which actually lies against the scripture itself because it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not a fruit of Lloyd Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in Lloyd. That eternal seed that keeps producing things. Have you ever done really good things in your life, in your Christian experience as a believer, and you're shocked that you were able to pull it off? Where did that come from? I don't even like that person. We're so surprised when God is God. We're never surprised when we're us. Yeah, I knew I'd blow it again. Or this attitude in life, when's it, you know, geez, there's been a lot of blessings lately. When the other shoe going to drop? We, we have a tendency to look at each and then like, when eternity comes, and have you ever had these conversations? Wonder what we'll do in heaven. Your answer is, I don't know. And then you start making stuff up about astral projection and what you think you'd like to do and fly off to Pluto. All these thoughts that are weird about eternal life and not actually founded in Scripture. Because eternal life, Jesus says, was knowing the Father and Jesus whom he sent. Eternal life was built around that. That's what John is quoting when he writes 1 John. Eternity for me uh, was more of a time word, was it for you? If you thought about eternity, that's the day that you either died or that Jesus came back and you got to stand before him. That's when eternity started. It's not true. 
Um, last week I did a little bit of this. This is how Martin Lloyd-Jones just encompasses the idea. He says, now eternal life not only concerns duration, does mean that, but it means something else also. Eternal life means a life of a certain quality. Because God came in, I am a changed being. Well, look at what that change says. So uh, it, it's really encompassed the idea of eternity in what uh, John writes in chapter 4. Look at this. This is incredible verses. By this we know that we abide in him. How do you know you're in God? How do you know that seed's planted in there? And he in us, because he's given us his spirit. Are you aware of the Holy Spirit? So let's flush this out a little bit. Is the Holy Spirit outside of us or in us? Yes. He is both. The Holy Spirit is among us, but he also dwells in us. I'm often stunned, especially at this time of the year, and even in my own life have been stunned by, by these very ideas about the miracle of God. Christmas displays the miracle of God, yes? That God comes in human form. We call that the incarnation. And we accept that as a miracle of God, that Jesus came as a human being, lived a sinless life, then took on sin, died, and was raised from the dead. All miracles, right? It's miraculous. How did he go through life never sinning? and then took my sin upon himself. It's a miracle. And then was raised after he was dead. Was raised to new life. We celebrate it through all the, even the Christmas, right into Easter. We celebrate it. We believe in the miracle of it. But we don't believe in the miracle that Christ lives in me. And that I am completely changed. And that I was once something that I'm no longer. And we don't see that as a miracle. We see that as a process. Uh, we don't see ourselves as justified. We don't see ourselves as righteous. We have a tendency not even to see ourselves as good most of the time. I wish I could do better. I wish I could be better. I wish I could get... Do you ever go after a nagging, besetting sin in your life? Do you know what I mean by that? Do you ever something that you just couldn't get rid of? Was it sin or not? Uh, if it was, it was paid for. But you really went after that thing, and the harder you tried to go after it, the more it got a hold of you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever... And it's just irritating, isn't it? You just want to kick something, including yourself. You see, that's, it's a funny thing because we don't believe in the miracle that happened and that I'm no longer bound to sin, but that I actually died to it and that I was raised to new life, to live to God, just like God did, just like Jesus did. That the death he died once for all and the life that he lives, he now lives to God. And living my life in the miracle of God being in me. 
Stunning, and that's what John's saying here. We have seen and testified that Father has sent his Son, the Savior, into the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Do you confess that? Miracle Sunday. He went from death to life. It, is that easy? Yeah, God it was hard with God doing it but the miracle is still the same it's a miracle only it's in you now look at me I am a walking miracle I was dead now I'm alive I was rotten to the core I was dead in trespass and sin he is now made alive together with Christ in me I'm just a walking miracle. Do you know what I was like at 17 trying to give a speech? I, I don't even know if I can do a worthy example of it anymore. No words had come out. But Christ in me, and the words flowed. The word that was in the word and changed my life. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Do you believe that? God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. And here comes this this is one of the more audacious statements in the new covenant because as he is so are we when we enter eternity so are we in this world you're a miracle you're the Christmas miracle we celebrate the miracle of what God did, but you're the celebration of that. So, our Christian experience here then is to live abundantly in this life of Christ that is in you. Uh, in the current circumstances you have. Are you going through some tough things? Yeah, but that didn't do anything with the eternal life that's in you. Matter of fact, the eternal life that's in you is going to press against the circumstances that you're going through. This is the message. What does he mean by that? Believing and receiving the eternal truth of God's love in you. This is the message. God loved me and changed me. And convincing my own heart of that. Because you'll have a very difficult time of convincing anybody else that God is love if you're not convinced of it. If you're not accepted in the beloved, how can you get them to be accepted in the beloved? If my heart isn't changed, then I have to ask certain questions. Why, why is this going on? Well, really... We haven't been taught well to do this, but how to practice eternal life. John calls it practicing righteousness. Righteousness is eternal life. Let's look at it. 
I used to love hate this verse. It's Paul, and I prayed it a lot. Did you pray it a lot? I prayed this one so many times. Ephesians 4.1 I therefore, Paul says, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. That's how I went after those besetting sins. That I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't make the equation work. I couldn't line it up. I couldn't go, I desire to live godly and I fail miserably and my failures are ever before me. And so I'd quote King David, just like the hair on my head, and I have a lot of it. Some of you don't, <laughs> but I have a lot of it. I don't know why God did that with me, but it's, it's kind of fun to go to the to sports clips. I won't do all my interactions with you there. All my weaknesses, always clouding my vision. I should have been like that Royals player who always used to flip his hair. I mean, get, you just get that stuff out of the way. This actually coincides with the description that John is giving. Paul is not mandating here that everything that we do if we're not doing it right, we're, it's over with. We take it that way because of being sin conscious. We're more conscious of how we lack than we are of what we have. And it's hard to receive it if we're always looking at it. Um, John writes in what he describes about eternal life, we are exposed to be experiencing in our life. That's what that means. A prison where I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And then when if you look at it, if you just start reading the rest of the verses after that, he starts listing out what worthiness actually looks like. We don't do that. Uh, the... The modern focus of that that's been delivered and has arrived to us in such a way that we believe it is our efforts of being morally ground, taking the high ground, if you will. I've heard a lot of sermons on that. To try and develop Christ-likeness in me. Oh, that I was like Jesus. Never mind that the Holy Spirit and the Word is saying, you are. In our lives... And that we must produce that fruit. Remember, you got to make it grow or you're not walking worthy. We've often been taught that means, the means to that is to do two things. To guard ourselves against the sins of the flesh, which cannot seem to, I just can't seem to accomplish it. Thus the besetting sin things. And to make sure that I was living in a state of repentance over how bad I was. And I was speaking with someone the other night. Actually, what we've been taught to do is make, making repentance our God. Instead of having repented to our God. Uh, repentance... I was taught to go around and, do, and go in the opposite direction. But actually, it's a metamorphous word. That's what it's in, in the Greek. To repent is to think completely differently about something. I was this, and now I'm that. That's repentance. 
I did repent when I received Christ. Should you never confess your sin? Yes, when there's things wrong indeed, talk to the Lord because he's pushing on that button because you can have a guilty conscience. But I can't repent of who I am because now I am somebody completely different. Do you get that? I'm not talking about your personality. I'm talking about your being. That if you're in Christ, you can't repent enough to be more in Christ. He doesn't grade on a curve. You're either in or you're out. You've either received him or you haven't. How much of him did you receive? I think I got the little toenail. He says, you've received what? the fullness. You have the fullness of God. It changes the way my confession actually operates. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm poking at this to be a little bit funny, but it's not funny at all. Because most believers, as Thoreau said about most men, most believers that I know live lives of quiet desperation. Afraid to talk to anyone about what they're really going through and not really believing that it works for them. It's some sort of deep magic from Narnia that's fine for summer. Not the season, the girl. But not for me. It works for others, not for me. Where did you place yourself in that equation? That fault line that you have. I know where I placed myself for years. Thinking that God is displeased with me at any given moment and grieved with me because I couldn't get it right. Doesn't that kind of nullify the work of the cross? It seems to drive most to, this is what it did in my life, I was a sin-conscious believer. I'll explain what I mean by that. But I had very little righteousness consciousness unless I talked about who God was. Practicing eternal life is the efforts that we practice through faith not the accomplishments of getting it through a day without doing anything wrong. Look at these two. Out this study can help you. Wait, there it is. Righteous consciousness is receiving and believing how God sees me. If I could get in each one of your comfort zone places and ask you directly, how does God see you today? What does God think of you? Does he like you? Is he upset about anything? What about what you did last night? You know, it's Christmas time, it's a little indulgent time. Or is he, oh, 
He's so grieved in his heart over those things you said. He really didn't want to talk to you right now. Matter of fact, he doesn't even want to see you. Would you please go to the back of the line? I'll deal with you tomorrow. You just hurt my heart too much now. Think of the things that we put on God that aren't worthy of who our Savior is and the accomplishments of what he did at the cross. That he took everything that was wrong of me into himself. He didn't just die for me. He died as me. He took me there. That's practicing eternal life. Because does this most... Uh, in being taught to live sin conscious, I guess I want to say it this way. Um, I saw the word of God, one, as a prescription, not a description, and as a goal or a target to hit instead of the free gift of God of eternal life to me. And that in his word was all the gifts that he wanted me to have. I mean, he really is Father Christmas. How do, you, how do you say that? Because the word says this. There's two things that are a free gift. Righteousness and eternal life. And they go hand in hand. If you have eternal life, then you have the gift of righteousness. So let me ask you, getting the comfort zone question again. Are you righteous? Well, I'm on the journey. No. Are you, remember, you've done great on a curve. Are you righteous right now? Yeah, I know. I know Brenda and I preach to each other every day. So. <laughs> Is your heart convinced? Has he driven away the fear of eternal judgment and replaced it with the joy of eternal life? Oh my gosh. Now I don't have to validate or prove anything. He already did. I'm not validating him. He's validating me. If they're a gift, then we have to remember our efforts to be good don't do anything more than our failures to do bad. They're both from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And to do it in the flesh just means, and how do I do this? Well, it's changed by receiving in faith everything that God declares of you. 1 John 2, 28, Now little children abide in him that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. How do you practice righteousness? I believe it, and I receive it. Boy, I'm not going to get very far this morning. Because um, this is so big. It's one of the, it's, it's, it's not a big hairy monster. It's, it's big that can change the way you understand God and yourself. And that's what it was meant to do. That's what it was meant to do. They're no longer praying for the will of God to come, but looking in the mirror and say, you came. 
And not just that you rescued me, you made me righteous. Let's go back to the miracles for just a minute. Maybe we'll close with this. We believe that Jesus came in the flesh. You believe that? He, he's a little baby. Boy, we celebrate it this time of the year. Do you believe that you're righteous in the same way? My preaching is not without void. <laughs> That's what's stunning. Is not that I will get better, but that I've been changed. That's what I'm celebrating. That's what we're to actually celebrate this time of the year. I am a completely different person. And I couldn't do anything to get it. It was a free gift. And he made me righteous. We can believe in the incarnation, but not the imputation. With the same miracle. He imputed, he marked us with righteousness. You're not going to be righteous on the day that you stand before him in eternity. You're righteous now because he lives in you. This is, it's stunning. Well, what about the sin thing? Become righteous conscious. And you'll find that the things of earth grow strangely dim, as the old song says. I got free of doing habitual sinning by focusing on me being a righteous person. So I want to close with this. This was, and, and there's other things that I want to share with you regarding this out of my own life. And so, I want to jump ahead to this. Oh, the sun's shining on that and it's hard to read when I started grasping this this was around oh, 2012 right in that era uh, the measure of it and I had had another uh, spiritual experience human experience that regarded my spirituality with God about my walk and walking worthy and what that looked like and uh, I'll tell it tell that to you next time but what I did after that in, in getting a grasp of this and going because I know well, you say this a lot Lloyd we don't believe it and we have to hear it because we have to say yes to it all the time if I don't say yes to it all the time I forget it what, do you, why do you say yes to it if you believe it? Why do you feel like you have to say yes to it again? Because I'm practicing righteousness when I do that. I'm believing what God says about me and I receive it over and over and over again. And that steady diet of being righteous conscience eliminates the sin consciousness that's in me. And the things that used to drag me down, I don't even think about it anymore. It's funny, I really did repent. They become unthinkable as it should for all believers. So this was a prayer I started praying. I wrote it out for myself because it came out of Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's so deeply important. If you can get, you know, do this daily, I don't know. But if you can do this and receive this, this is what I did. I had to do it where I looked at myself in the mirror. 
because it, it was so hard to do to really see myself. I was often just angry at myself. I'd look in the mirror, I'd look down at the piece of paper, I'd say, Father God, I present myself to you totally today, totally according to your word and by your mercy as an acceptable, holy, living person that you love. You've chosen in your love to forgive me completely and totally for all time. I confess and receive that your thoughts and views of me today are kind, accepting, generous, and joyous. I confess that I am the delight of your heart and that your desire is to reveal yourself to me this day. I choose to surrender to your loving kindness and to declare your faithfulness to me. You've made me a new creation and I receive your everlasting love and will follow your leading of love in my life this day. Thank you, Jesus Christ, my Savior. This simple prayer in my life, you've got to find your own. Make up, do your own. These were all based out of scriptures that I did with the study. As I did this, as I started practicing this, saying it and receiving it by faith that it's what was not just true of God but it was true of me because that was a, I read in Martin Lloyd-Jones when he was in, in, when he was exegeting Romans 6 and he ends it with what's true of God is true of you now that was a stunning change and I started believing that I was actually a righteous person on the earth not a sinner saved by grace. I was a saint. Not somebody who was on the journey of learning to become Christ-like. I was on a bigger journey than that. Way bigger. And so are you. Because the sower sowed seeds. And the seed fell into the ground of your heart. And it started taking root. And I have a secret to tell you. You can't escape it. You can't get away from it. It will have its perfect work in you. And it won't leave you alone. The most dangerous prayer you can pray, God, don't leave me alone. Because he won't. And you're moving to agreement with him. Oh, I'd never leave you alone. Come here, buddy. Do you have a bad day? Put his arm over me. Let's look at this. It didn't look like who you are. Oh, you still love me? Oh, crazy about you, kid. I gave my life for you. You know, you're looking like me. God, I pray that our true confession over our lives would be loving and kind and accepting that we wouldn't relegate ourselves to be in the second line or the second class. Sort of a citizen, but really, I better go make my bunk and baggage. Instead of freely walking up the ramp to the ship of grace and setting sail into a world without end. You love me, God. Pray that for each of us. You love me, God, with an everlasting love. 
You won't despise me. You won't cast me aside. You won't forget me. You're here now forever. And you made me a righteous person. I've been justified by your grace. Thank you. Eternal life, eternally. Thank you. In Jesus' name, I believe it and receive it. So now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.